Well, hello and welcome to this episode of WSFI's Healing the Whole Person show. I am your moderator, Angela Tomlinson. Joan McHugh has been away this summer in New Jersey, but I understand, Father Sears, that she's back in town. Okay. So that's going to be a great relief for all of us here. We've been holding down the fort. For those of you who are just tuning in, our host today is Father Robert Sears, SJ, and Father Sears is the past president of ACT Heals. You can find out more information about this beautiful ministry, Healing the Family Tree. And Father, what's the website that they can go on to learn more about your writings and your work? www.familytreehealing.com www familytreehealing.com there you go father you've spent your whole life on this you've spent your whole life is that right most of your adult life working on the healing of the family system is well uh, actually my uh, dissertation is on psychotherapy and theology so I was trying to develop a, a theology of therapy because we had all these psychologies of religion but no theologies of therapy so when I started to do that, I realized that the connection is with the community. And so I studied psychodrama and uh, developed uh, my theology of the Holy Spirit, whose the Spirit is the divine source of community. And so it gave me a, an opportunity to see therapy in light of theology and that's what I've been doing ever since. So it, that, that led me into family systems because that's community and history and that they're handed down generation after generation, these patterns. And they're also healed generation after generation. So the, we need to see things more and more in light of community because it is community that the Trinity is and he's made us in image of the Trinity. And so our healing is ultimately healing of our relationships and of the camp community that we live in. And then I think Pope John Paul wrote something. He said that no sin is a, uh, all of sin is a social sin, that there's no such thing as a private sin. Well, yes, that's correct. In other words, because we are connected one to another in, in the common uh you know, well, now we could call it energy system, but it actually is the all-embracing love of God who sees us as a, a unity. You remember that Jesus in the uh, 17th chapter of John's Gospel prays that, that we would be one as he is in the Father and the Father is in him. That's, that's uh, <laughs> beyond our reckoning because there's only one God. So he sees us as one humanity. And so everybody who sins affects everybody else. And so whether we, we think it might be private, but it isn't private, it's social, because whatever we do, that pattern will be handed down to those that we influence. And if we do good things, the, the pattern will be handed down and bring healing to those that have gone before or gone afterwards. So there's positives and negatives from each of those situations. In fact, when Jesus came and became human, he affected everybody, the whole system, everybody who ever existed or ever would exist. And so that's really the foundation of all our, hum all our healing is what Jesus has done and what the Father has done in him. 
restoring us, but we have to cooperate with it or the or it won't really transform our world because we're the ones that have been given dominion over the world. And so we really need to learn how to cooperate with Jesus in this uh, transforming ministry, which is also a healing ministry. And that just really goes right at the whole cultural message these days that I'm not hurting anyone and, um, you know, the, the relativism, you know, yes, that I can determine yes. what's right and wrong, et cetera, doesn't it? Yeah, in our individualism. In individualism. other words, we think that it's, it's just up to us and we're not responsible to anybody else. That's totally false. And we can't be happy that way because we're made in relationally. And unless we do good for one another, we're going to have a bad opinion of ourselves, even if we pretend we aren't. <laughs> you know, we'll be taking from people, but we won't be contributing to them. See, God is always giving. He's a total self-giving love. And so it's just the opposite of people who are just looking for what what's in it for them, you know. There's no real joy there, is there? No, there isn't, because joy comes from love and from, from sharing with one another. I think people realize that, but oftentimes they don't realize it until they're doing it, because, because when they're separate from it and trying to protect themselves, then they don't think about other people, so they, they think it's just just about me, you know, and uh, that's a big mistake because it, at the end it will it, leave you isolated and being isolated is not a human response. It ultimately brings sadness and depression. That is beautiful, Father. And the topic you brought up today you were going to speak about are the sacraments. Is that correct? Baptism and Sacraments, healing. Sacraments, baptism and healing. Yeah, uh, just to introduce that a little bit, because I finished a series on the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes are, you know, given to us by Matthew's Gospel as a way of discerning the Holy Spirit. So that's very helpful because it is important for our discernment. The sacraments are, in a sense, foundational. And so I thought it would be helpful if we just w went through the sacraments, first of all, to understand what they are, you know, why they are sacraments, and, and then to begin today by reflecting a little on baptism, which is the foundation of all the sacraments in the sense that it brings us into God's love, which is the source of grace and the Holy Spirit. So that's what I want to speak about a little bit today, yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Father. Okay, so just to begin, first of all, Jesus was sent. God said in Ezekiel 34, I myself will shepherd them. And he'd already said in the Genesis, the book of Genesis, he said, I'll put enmity between the woman and her offspring, and between the woman and her offspring and the serpent, or the demonic. And so God promised right from the beginning that he would bring healing. But why did it take so long, you could say? Well, first of all, God has to honor our choices. You know, and Adam and Eve chose uh, not to cooperate with what God had said. Now, Eve actually probably did not get the commandment. It seems that Adam is the one that was told by God that he shouldn't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, lest he die. 
So Eve must have heard it from Adam because she wasn't even in existence yet as far as the scripture is concerned. So when she talked to the serpent and the serpent said, well, you're not going to die, you know, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And so she thought, well, that would be a good thing to know good and evil. So, so she decided to eat of the tree. Now, Adam didn't just go along with her without thinking about it because God, see, for a while they lived together in the divine will, and so their love for each other was a channel of God's love for each of them. God's love was working through each of them as a gift for the others. So Eve was a gift for Adam. But then when she had sinned, he, you know, because the love was so great, God was shining through each one for the other. He, he had a hard time distinguishing between God's love and, and Eve's love, you know. And he didn't want Eve to be all alone in her choice, and so he went along with it, it seems. In any case, he did, and that was the ultimate sin. He could have stayed faithful to God and then brought conversion to Eve, but he didn't. And it was his sin, ultimately, that brought about the original sin. So now that they are no longer mediations of the true God for each other, they're now, uh, you know, questionable. They, so they began to develop distrust. And that distrust, of course, we get handed down to their children because we are all one uh, energy system, if you want. We all affect each other with our choices. And so Adam and Eve, we know that now from science that uh, the, you know, chromosomes of our parents are handed on to us. We have the genes of our parents' decisions inside of us and the sins of the parents are visited on their children to four generations, scripture says. So the sins are handed down. And so now before sin, there was no sickness, no suffering, no death. And so there wasn't a need for healing. But once we've sinned, we've distorted what God had intended for ourselves and we brought about on ourselves sickness, suffering, and ultimately death, as God said. If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll die. And you could say, well, what's so bad about knowledge of good and evil? Well, if it were true knowledge, it would be fine, I suppose. But it isn't true knowledge because only God knows what's really good and what's evil. And it's done in light of God's uh, awareness and vision. And so when they made the decision to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there really were measuring God by their ideas and ultimately they were uh, understanding God in light of their ideas and so <clears throat> they tried to be good in order to restore the relationship with God but the more we try to do it the more we're eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil we can't restore eternal love only God can do that and ultimately when we learned that even the best of uh, the Israelites couldn't uh, bring about the transformation you know Moses sinned didn't get into the promised land David didn't get in Solomon messed up everybody all of them messing up I guess except Elijah I don't know he was taken up into heaven but he was going to come back and then but the, ultimately he wasn't transforming things because nothing 
could be transformed until God said he would do it. And he sent Jesus. And so what did Jesus do? First of all, he took upon himself all of the consequences of our sin. He became sin for us, as Paul says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5th chapter, 21st verse. God made him who did not know sin to be sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And so when Jesus came, he called disciples, 12 apostles first, and then the disciples, he gathered them together to carry on his work. And the disciples got other disciples, and Jesus wasn't going to leave them alone. He established the church to be with the disciples of his disciples all days to the end of time. As he said in John 17, I pray not only for them, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. And the church was led to establish these seven sacraments. And we know what the sacraments are. Their baptism is where our foundation is, where we will talk about that later. Confirmation, where we get strengthened in our openness to the Spirit to face difficulties that will come up. The Eucharist, where God's, Jesus' ongoing presence with us is to be our manna as we pass through this life. And then the anointing of the sick, which heals us physically and emotionally, and reconciliation, which restores us to union with God after we've turned away from venial or mortal sin. And then we have marriage and ordination as vocations that are consecrated to God. The Catholics, of course, see marriage as a sacrament. And remember what the definition is from your Baltimore Catechism, Mm-hmm. an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. So marriage isn't just to help us to love one another in our own understanding of what love is. Marriage is meant to mediate God's grace to each other, to bring each other to heaven, and to bring the children to heaven. It's a sacrament. It's part of the church's uh, sacraments. It's to restore the grace that Jesus has come to bring to us in each of us And in ordination, of course, that's to ordain ministers of the gifts for the whole church, the church family. So both of these are communal gifts. They're gifts of authority, you might say. Authority in its root meaning means to give life. It comes from the word author. So it's not simply authoritarian, like telling people what to do, but it's modeling the solution. So... The sacrament of marriage gives the grace so that the the marriage partners can love one another and and therefore model for their children what living in the life of Christ would look like. And ordination, of course, presupposes that in ministers, and they're given to help others to learn about that, to teach, to uh, companion them in their growth. And so what I wanted to focus on today especially was baptism because it's the foundation of all the graces of the sacraments. And we have to think about all of the sacraments as as really conferred by Jesus, except for marriage, it's conferred by the two marriage partners in their yes to each other. 
but all the other sacraments are conferred by Jesus. Even though it's the minister, the priest, etc., the priest doesn't baptize. The priest confers the, the words of baptism, Jesus baptized. So every sacrament is Jesus acting in the person of the authorized minister of the sacrament. You know, and, and everybody is an authorized minister if it's in case of need for baptism, for example, because that's especially necessary. So we can baptize in case of necessity. And so <clears throat> we bring those, so the baptism itself is foundational. And Jesus has said, for example, to Nicodemus, remember in John's Gospel, if you look at the third chapter, Nicodemus came at night with Jesus. And, and so Jesus spoke to me, he said, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. The, the word from above also means born again. And Nicodemus said, you know, is it, do I have to answer into my mother's womb again? He says, and then Jesus just repeated it. He says, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. So he's referring to baptism, of course, and, and we'll see that baptism really was grounded in Jesus's, as all of the sacraments, in Jesus's death and resurrection. That is so no beautiful. one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Remember that Jesus had to go in order for the Spirit to come. He had to be going back to the Father, so the Holy Spirit, who is the union of the Father and the Son in their love, could be sent to us in human form, which is the Church. So you must be born from above, that's what it says. And because of original sin, intimacy with God and God's family was lost. So God so desired that intimacy that he, he sent his own son to restore it. And not only did his, he send his own son, he sent his son to, to he said, marvelous beyond words, Jesus restored our relationship with God by taking on himself the consequences of all sins committed by creatures past, present, and future, and freely offering his own life as a sacrifice of love equal and opposite to the sin. That is so beautiful, Father. We're going to have to take a short break, and it sounds like someone's knocking at your door there. <laughs> Behold, he knocks. Right. I hope it isn't a ghost. I anything. hope it isn't a ghost. Okay, so right. we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Father Robert Sears, SJ, talking about baptism. We'll be right back. Hello, I am Bishop Don Hying from the Diocese of Gary, Indiana. Catholic Radio has a remarkable reach into the minds and hearts of all sorts of people who may not be going to church, who may not have any other connection to learning about the faith. I know so many people have grown in the Catholic faith because they listen to Catholic Radio. 
WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back. We had a short break, and um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healing the Whole Person. Today, we have as our guest, Father Robert Sears, SJ. Father Sears is talking today about the sacraments and baptism and healing. And Father, that was, you were just getting going there explaining something I never understood when you were talking about how, why did Jesus have to return to the Father before he could send the Holy Spirit to heal us? Okay, so Jesus ultimately said, you know, he, he, he had a baptism with which he must be baptized. And how is he straightened until it be accomplished? In other words, he couldn't bring us back to the Father except by his sacrifice he's the lamb of god we could talk about that we might we, we will do that when we talk about the eucharist and the mass and and we could actually spend a lot of time just talking about the mass but the the fact is that jesus didn't restore you could see in his own disciples for example they weren't really able to follow him until the holy spirit came down upon them they hid behind closed doors. They were fearful, and perfect love casts out fear. So Jesus has brought perfect love. Well, what does perfect love do when the whole human race has fallen into sin? Well, we see what it did. It didn't condemn us. Jesus and God sent his son. He said he would do it, and of course Jesus is one with the Father, so this is equivalent to what God did, and God had already asked Abraham to sacrifice his son, and Abraham was willing to do it, so God said, you didn't have to do it, now I know you really trust me, but why did he ask him to do that, except that he was going to sacrifice his son, and he wanted to know if Abraham would do what he did, what he was going to do. So God so loved the world that he gave his own son, as Paul says, that everyone who believes in him might never die but will live forever. The problem with sin was that it kept us from love which lasts forever. We died because, as Genesis says in the third chapter, now that they're like us, knowing good and evil, we cannot allow them to eat of the tree of life and live forever. So what was lost was eternal life and only God can restore it. But he didn't have to 
wait for us to be good to restore it since no one is good as Jesus said except God so the only way that God could restore it is by his great love loving us while we were still sinners and sending his son not to force us because love doesn't force but to identify with us in our lostness to take on himself the consequences of all the suffering that resulted from the sin of every human who ever existed or ever would exist and that's it's incredible when you think about it and so God really put that on Jesus's shoulders as he said in 2 Corinthians 5:21. God made him who did not know sin to be sin that we might become the righteousness of God not to be sin in the sense of being guilty but to be sin in the sense of taking on himself the consequences of our sin when we separate from God we build a huge reservoir of pain and ultimately death and that's and self-centeredness and everything that keeps us from loving one another unconditionally and so the restoration is to to have God's love revealed that he loves us while we're still sinners and that's revealed in Jesus he takes on himself willingly our sin in order to transform us and to make us like God again this is what heals everything because it's love that heals and love ultimately is self-sacrificing love it's giving of ourselves for the other person when they still need it and they aren't able to respond very well human love needs human meriting you know you don't usually love somebody who can't love you back again or he actually is is mad at you or or even wants to kill you you know so this is what Jesus is, shows us that God loves us even if we want to kill him because of course you can't kill God but you can kill the human nature in God in Jesus but in doing that and in his countering it with love is how he restored us to God's love it's as though he took the consequences of everything we've done on himself and broke through with love father forgive them they don't know what they're doing and when we can do that when we can see that God loves us with all our difficulties and all our sins and all our anger at other people and unforgiveness and all those things when we know that we're forgiven then we will open up to start forgiving others if we don't we can't be forgiven that's what God said isn't it and what we pray in the Our Father forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us if you forgive other people's sins Jesus goes on to explain God will forgive your sins but if you do not forgive the other people's sins God will not forgive your sins why because what we do is and choose something that's totally opposite to God and he can't change our choices because he made us free we are free to condemn ourselves if we choose to do that if we choose to hold on to unforgiveness for example so what happens in baptism is that God really forgives us totally 
He's taken on himself the consequences of our sin. And that's why we say that we're free from original sin. That's the very foundational sin that brought all of this on us. We're free from it, so we're free into the Garden of Eden. We're free to be what God intended for us to be before Adam and Eve sinned. However, and this is a big however, we we will still suffer the consequences of the sin and have to go through the process that Jesus has gone through. In other words, the cross is not just something Jesus suffered. He said, unless you take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Our response to God's grace has to be faith. We need to cooperate with it because love is a two-way street. He can't love us and transform us against our will. If we refuse to let ourselves be forgiven, God can't forgive us. If we refuse to hand on that forgiveness to other people, God can't forgive us because we're at odds with forgiveness. We have to start cooperating with grace, with that forgiveness. And when we do that, then our very difficulties and conflicts and sufferings, etc., become means for growing more and more in grace. Father, what Every, are the, I'm mm-hmm, so, I was going to ask ahead. you a question. Mm-hmm. What are the symptoms that we can look at that would let us know that there's unforgiveness in our lives? We don't want to be with somebody. We don't want to think about somebody. So all of these things are, that's, that's one. Or we, we're really mad at them, you know. We're just, we, we want to avoid them. We don't want to be, don't have anything to do with them. So in other words, sin breaks a community. Yes. It breaks our, our willingness to be with people. Now we don't have to force yourself on people who don't want to be with you. And if it's, if it's going to bring them into a, a more of a, a, a hatred, etc., then it's loving to stay away from them. <laughs> but, but, so it isn't as though we have to force community. What we do need to do is be, be compassionate for everybody. So if somebody is hating you, the response really would be sadness that they don't know what love is and that they can't forgive. They're locking themselves into their own isolation. That's sad, but there's nothing we can do about it if, as long as they don't want to receive anything. Nothing God can do. He has to wait because God honors our freedom. And, and how do you break out of that cycle? Say someone, you know, they're, they're in that emotional level because of something that was done to them and they think they've forgotten them, but evidently they haven't really forgiven them. So how yeah. do they break out of that? I think the, the biggest, that's what I think we need to learn with the baptism, you know, the, because baptism is really an unconditional gift of love from God. Let me give an example from my own life, which I've shared before, but I think it'll clarify it perhaps. You know, we think that the suffering of our life is actually something to be avoided. Most of us try to avoid suffering or pain. But that's, uh, you know, counterproductive because if you're fighting against pain or suffering, 
you're blocking the very thing that might be purifying your faith. And you're beginning to think, why is God so bad that he would let all this suffering happen in my life? You know, and so we're getting a bad idea of God, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, in other words, we have to realize that God so loved the world that he takes on himself our sin. He lets himself be hated, if you want. And he lets him lets uh, lets our hatred act against him as he did on the cross and then forgives us so he does that freely because of course we can't kill god but we can kill his humanity and that's why he became human so that we, he could suffer the consequences of our sin because humans had to correct what humans did and jesus became human so that he could die for us to show us that God's love is unconditional. But we have to believe it. And if we believe it, we'll start really being deeply transformed and we'll realize what we've done and then how we've done that with other people and how we've handed on the things that have been handed to us. You know, we think if we were wounded, we have a right to wound somebody else, etc. That's just perpetuating the problem. The way it's healed is for love to overcome the evil. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And so when I said, for example, in the womb, and <clears throat> I've shared this before, I won't be a burden because my mother was, you know, had two before me and she was overwhelmed because she didn't have good mothering herself. I was trying to protect myself. I was protecting myself from that pain. But as it, what happens then, I was blocking myself from my, the love of my mother, which is necessary for us. We can't pretend we don't need love, and we, we need it foundationally. And so what I was doing is isolating myself, and it became a big depression. And then I got more depressed, and I tried to figure out what the reason was, and it just made me more depressed, because it was isolating me. I'm trying to solve my own problem now. See, the solution was, was love but I can't get out of myself because I blocked it. And then when I realized that God creates us out of nothing, you know, out of Isaiah 43, don't look at what is behind, behold, I'm making all things new. All of a sudden it dawned on me that he's not asking me to find out how it happened and correct it. He's going to make something new out of the, out of the remainder. And that's what he did with Jesus. He entered into the reality of our choices and he made something totally new. Something that we never would have known if we hadn't sinned, namely God's mercy. See, mercy means a heart for the miserable. And if nobody was miserable, you, you'd only know love, but you wouldn't know mercy. <laughs> right. Whereas when, we're, when we see the mercy there, we see that God's love can't even be stopped by our sin. There's no way we can stop God from loving us except by not receiving it. And he he still loves us, but, but we don't want to receive it. Yes. And so that's what happened then is when I realized that I had said in the womb, and that was 10 years after I made that initial awareness, then somebody said burden and I said I said I'm in the womb I won't be a burden and I, I it's the spirit that remembers we recall is by the body but the spirit remembers everything from conception on and so even before conception I suspect 
because God said to Jeremiah, before I placed you in the womb, I knew you and I appointed you to be prophet to the nations. So we knew what it would be like to have God as our father because Adam and Eve lived for a time in the divine will. And so when that was lost, then we, we were lost. And I felt that. And so I let go of that decision. I, I realized I was blocking God's healing. And so he started giving me mother figures to heal that because I'd given him permission. And 30 years later, I realized it was shock. It was too much. And that's when he started teaching me about getting born again. And that's what I learned about baptism. Born again. Unless you're born again, Jesus told Nicodemus, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now I realized it was material. It wasn't just a, a theory. He gave us a new mother, Mary, his mother, without sin. And he gave us a new father, heavenly father, and St. Joseph, without sin. Or St. Joseph was healed so early that it was equivalently without sin. He didn't, he wasn't, didn't have an immaculate conception, but he was healed very early and he made a vow of virginity when he was 12 according to Mary Agreda and Mary verified that he did it before she, he knew her and so they actually had both committed their lives to God they were both totally committed to God and so Joseph is the representative the human representative of the father in the holy family so we're baptized into Jesus's family that is we so beautiful. Mary as our mother and his Saint Joseph and Heavenly Father as our father. Yes, Father. Now the Dory is here in the studio. Dory, you had a question for Father? Um, yes. Hi, Father. Uh, Hi. Well, this this is really wonderful. Everything you're talking about today, um, but uh, I just had um, a couple of quick questions because this question came up a few uh, weeks back um, at church. One of my friends asked our priest does God still love the people in hell because from what you just said it it requires a response so the people then I, am I understanding the people are in hell because they refuse God's love basically yes so does yes, that God still loves people in hell because they're his creatures why okay. wouldn't he love them he doesn't love what they do Right. Because well, I, I didn't understand freedom, that. He I, loves them. I, I didn't see how God could love people in hell, but when you explain that his love is there, they're just not accepting it, then that does make sense to me. Yes. Um, and of course, we're the, we're the ones that exclude God. He forgives everybody. Right. And um, if we don't forgive other people, then he can't forgive us. But that's, But that's not because he doesn't love us. He does love us. Father, we're going to have to move on because we have some prayer requests. Okay. Okay. So the first one is David has a, he's a young man, 40 years old with, um, I think he has three children and he discovered he has a blood clot in his leg and the medicine that he's to take has such horrible side effects, he's electing not to have it. Hmm. Okay. So Lord, we pray for David and we release him to you, Lord. We know that you want healing if it's going to be best for us and so whatever is best for David Lord and whatever would make him more loving and close to you we ask that you would do that Lord and we know that you can 
we give you thanks and praise, Lord. We just release it to your good judgment and providence through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Mary has cancer, and uh, not she has she's suffering from terminal cancer, but she's very angry at the church. And so a friend of hers has asked for prayers. I'm asking prayers for Mary. For Mary. She's, she's for angry Mary. at the church. She's very angry. She feels as though the only people who go there are hypocrites. And how could she go back to the church if they're all hypocrites that go to Mass? Okay, but we're... Uh, okay, well, that's good, but she must be a hypocrite herself then if we're all hypocrites, <laughs> you know, whatever we're doing. <laughs> we judge other people the way we see ourselves, so we must be hiding our own difficulties. But we need to recognize that God didn't ask us to go to Mass with we're good. He came to call sinners. So the ones that are going to Mass might be the ones that recognize they aren't good and they're trying to be good by going to Mass. And so she needs to learn how to forgive sinners, otherwise she can't be forgiven. So we pray for Mary, Lord, that she might learn that as she forgives or doesn't forgive, God can forgive or won't forgive her. So we ask, Lord, that she would wake up to how much God has forgiven her and how much she also is a sinner and needs that forgiveness so she can have compassion on others who aren't perfect either. In fact, no one is good except God, Jesus said. He didn't even say there was anybody good. <laughs> <laughs> so there are only sinners going to church on Sunday. That's why we go. That's why we go. Uh, John had cancer in the back of his tongue which spread to his neck. And he's had several chemotherapies and he's asked for prayers. Thank you, Lord. We ask you, John, that you would open him to whatever that cancer was and how it started, whether it was smoking or a physical thing. I had cancer of the tongue myself because I didn't speak my pain. So often all of those wounds in some way are either indicating something that we have or other our ancestors because we pick up the sins of our ancestors to intercede for them because whatever is unhealed will influence next generations until it's dealt with. And so, Lord, we, we, we bring all of that to you and ask that you would bring down the, the, the healing that is right, that he could open his heart to your desire to bring a blessing to him and to give you the results of his death and resurrection because that's finished and he sees us as holy and innocent if we would accept it. Thank you. Amen. Amen. And lastly, Robert has a son that is uh, suffering from same-sex attraction and is a practicing uh, homosexual, and he's not sure how to. He doesn't. He want, He loves his son, and he uh, doesn't want to um, disassociate with them. Obviously, he's not sure. So he asked for prayers for that he yes. situation. Yes. But first of all, it's important to realize that love for another of the same sex is not the problem. It's sexualizing the love that's the problem. Because sex obviously was made for reproduction. And so it's a misuse of a gift that God has given to us to to have children and to, you know, we're all the result of parents who had sex together. So the fact that it feels good is self-oriented. Sexuality is self-giving because it's a reflection of God's love and that's what we need to recognize and so just to pray that he would know that he is loved and that the love of uh, another 
a person who is the same sex is not a problem if it's not sexualized. It, David and Jonathan were very close, very much. He loved him as his own self, and he gave up many things for him. It was very self-sacrificing love. That's the love that God calls us to, and ultimately marriage itself won't really work until it's grounded in God's love. So we don't. So we pray for him, Lord, that he would recognize it, honor the love that's given to him. If it's really love, self-giving love, it'll lead him to the fullness of openness to males and females. And Father, we have 15 seconds. Could you please give your priestly blessing? I will. So, Lord, we just ask everybody that's listening that your blessing would come upon them and the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon them and bring your healing love through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. To healing the whole person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.